Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So back in 1992, the United States assembled a group of basketball players to play in the Olympics. Do you have a picture of them? This dream team is the first time that professional athletes played for the U.S. Olympic team ever because they got to pick their own NBA players, handpick each NBA player. The team was collectively called the dream team. Many considered it the best team, the greatest team ever assembled in any sport in the history of mankind. They dominated the Olympics, obviously. You guys remember this? Eight opponents, they won by an average of 44 points. Consisted of three of the greatest all-time players, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, along with some other names you might remember, Charles Barkley, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing. Had the best of the best, the best shooters, the best rebounders, best ball handlers, best defenders, everyone playing in their own position. It was a team that a coach in the country uh, could only really dream of having. But it wasn't reality, and everybody knew it. I remember watching some of those games with my friends, and we were half-heartedly watching them saying, you know, this really isn't a challenge. This really isn't something that we're uh, all that excited about going so we started talking about, my friends and I started talking about what an actual dream team would look like then. Is it just all the best players combined on the same team? Because other teams have tried that, combined a lot of the best players, and it just didn't work out because they just didn't have that chemistry. They just didn't work well together. So we looked for adjectives that would describe the actual dream team or an actual dream team. We decided it had more to do with words like commitment. Dedication, sacrifice, enthusiasm, eagerness, passion. We decided that if a team had those characteristics, then that would be truly a dream team to coach and a dream team to watch. So enter my favorite character in our favorite game show of Who Dis? Drum roll, please. Yeah? You know, when I was um, in Nebraska, I told them, because they don't really like the Packers over there, they, like some other teams, but I said, you know, a sermon isn't a sermon unless you mention Vince Lombardi. So here's what I've decided. The first and third uh, Sundays are going to be communion Sundays. Second and fourth are going to be Lombardi Sundays. So they'll just keep going moving forward. The old man came to Green Bay in 1959. You should get Lyle up here. He's a historian. He could tell us all of this. He took over a team that had finished a franchise worst ever, 1-10-1. They had a 1-10-1 record. One, one game lost 10. Lombardi took most of those same players. Most of the same players. Oh, I would almost say almost all the same players. And then finished his first NFL season at 7-5. Including a 9-6 victory over those hated Chicago Bears in his, his debut. I mean, what a great way to start. That was 1959. Then in 1960, they narrowly lost uh, the NFL championship game. But then they went on a roll, and they won five championships in the next seven years, including three in a row that nobody's ever done. His winning percentage of .75, 75%, is still an all-time best for head coaches that have coached at least 100 games. The only other person that has over a 700 uh, winning streak or uh, record is John Madden. He's the only other one that has, comes even close. Now, Lombardi got asked this a lot. He's, they said, how exactly did you take those same players from a 1-10 season to a 7-5 in his first season? And by the way, Lombardi won Coach of the Year that year in his first season. 
How did you do that? And how did you get him to the championship the second season? He said it was quite simple. He said it was these words right here. Commit to excellence. He said if we can commit to excellence, then we can accomplish just about anything. He said that's what determines the quality of one's life, determines the quality of one's organization. And the Bible tells us the same thing. The Bible talks about commitment a lot in a lot of different places. I'm going to show you a couple. People forget how devoted Lombardi was to God. Psalm 37.5 is one of my favorites. It says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust him, he will act. Commit your, commit your way to the Lord. Then Proverbs 16.3 is a little more common maybe. Commit your works to the Lord, and then your plans will be established. Likewise, the Bible talks about excellence. Not only a commitment, but commitment to excellence. And how our um, commitment to excellence, how our commitment to excellence should mirror um, God's display of excellence. God's display of excellence um, to us and for us and through us. God's excellence should be displayed in our lives and in our words, in our actions all the time. So what I really want to talk with us about this morning, to us this morning, is... um, Something that God desperately wants for his people. Something that God says he desperately needs in his people. The thing I want to talk about this morning is the one thing that Satan fears. He works day and night to prevent it or to undo it. It's something that Jesus himself prayed about his last night here on this earth. Before he went to the cross. It's one thing that the Bible says... The Bible says this one thing will convince all people over all the earth that we just sang about again. Teach everybody all over the earth that God is something that they have to have in their life. That that Christians have something that the world does not have and give them a hunger for it. It's the one thing that the Holy Spirit said he came here to accomplish. Any clue what I'm talking about? What one word I'm talking about? Unity. Unity. And I'm not talking about this town in Wisconsin. Shout out to Unity, Wisconsin. My mom loved Unity, Wisconsin, because it had this big craft show in it every year. So she planned for that for months, working up to it. Now, when I speak about Unity, uh, let me make it clear of what we're not talking about. Sometimes Aristotle said you can define things by talking about what it isn't. This unity isn't just a union, because union can mean that you're together with people that you don't have a lot of in common with, or you're not bonded to. We're not talking about uniformity either, where we just look the same on the outside. We're not even talking about being unanimous, where everybody votes for the same thing. We don't expect all of those things. But what God desires and expects is for us to have unity with each other. By unity, I mean a oneness of heart. Oneness of heart. Uh, uh, similarity of purpose. Um, an agreement on the truth. Like Lyle read in Psalm um, 133, I was whispered to Diane that this is some of my favorite stuff. Verse 1 says this, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in what? In unity. That word unity here in Psalm is a Hebrew word. It's the Hebrew word yahad. Want to try to say it? You got to do the thing, though. I don't know why. What is yahad? Get the weight off the back of your hand there. It's actually the root word of a very significant Hebrew word and lesson for us. It's part of the Shema. Shema comes from Deuteronomy 6. 
This is Deuteronomy 6.4. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is our God. The Lord is one. That's the same word that we use as unity back there in Psalm 133. It's the same word that we use in the New Testament when we talk about unity, being of oneness together. So that word unity doesn't really, um, in the sense, it doesn't work in the sense that we might think it is. Um, it, means, it means oneness, not just togetherness. It means oneness, as in the same being, like God is the same being. It means oneness of agreement. It means oneness of purpose. It means oneness of function. We need to do that in order to serve God and to serve God's people well. Without it, we can't do it. As I said before, it's Satan's goal to defeat the church, right? It's to defeat that from happening, keep us from accomplishing the goals that God has set out for us, has laid out for us. And I know I don't have to tell you, but I'm going to anyway, that Satan can't defeat a unified church. Satan cannot defeat a unified body, unified people. No matter how big that church is, no matter how small it is, if we are of, of one accord, as the Bible says it, we stand together. But just like Lombardi was talking about his Packer teams, you know, he took a band of misfits and turned them into champions. He said that the success of the unit, the success of the team was determined by the individual efforts. Look at this quote on achievements, Lombardi's quote on achievements. The achievements of an organization are the results of the combined of each individual, combined effort of each individual. Achievements of the organization, the results of the combined effort of each individual. Now combine that with his idea of that commitment to excellence. So when we start to look at that, we can begin to understand all these things, and we can start putting some of these things together. So this is all about the church and God's people coming together. God's people coming together with his goals, his purpose in mind. With that commitment to excellence in the front of our minds at all times. What does that mean to commit? Well, it means to commit our lives, our ways to God. And what did it say back there in Proverbs? Then your plans will succeed. Now, when it comes to supporting, supporting what we're trying to accomplish here at this church, we have to look at this view of unity. And when you look at, the, at unity, how it's defined, unity is usually defined in three stages. It comes in three different stages. They say the keeping together is, is a progress, right? Or coming together, coming together is the beginning. Staying together, keeping together is the progress. But working together of like mind and like accord, that's when we see success, when we're working together. We can come together, but that's just the beginning, right? Stay together, yes, we're getting progress, but when we're working together, supporting each other, filling the gaps where they're needed, that's when we achieve success, and again, it's God's goals that we have in our sights and in our minds. We need to be linked together. Not separate individuals, but of one mind, one of court. Like the Shema says, our Lord God is one. And we need to be in that kind of unity. Not just gathered together, but like-minded, thinking together. It's like we're individual links of a chain. I brought a little illustration. We're going to try to start doing some more children's sermons. So I got some links of chain here, and they kind of represent us as individuals. We're different people, right? 
Well, we come together in the church. Remember that little that game you used to play with the kids? Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the door. Where are the people? Who's with me? Right? And then you do that magic trick, right? Whereas the people, here are all the people, and your kid blow your mind. Just like that thumb thing, you know, you take your thumb off. Well, it was empty a second ago. Where did they all come from? But you get the idea. You are all, we're all different links of this church. We're individual um, workers. Uh, we have individual family things that we do. Uh, we have individual ways that we like to play. We have individual um, things that we like to do that we like to eat. Then when we think about the church, you know, and Jared was talking about this a couple of weeks ago, talking about different talents. And we combine that with spiritual gifts that we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks. Some have the spiritual gift of administration. Brooks looking at me on that one. I, I, did, I wasn't in line the day of the gift of administration. But maybe you know, the gift of teaching, gift of preaching. We have um, other gifts, encouragement, um, hospitality. Some people have the, what we call the gift of helps. Just when they're around, things just go better. So we have the gifts of help. So we've got all this combined together. But God says it's not good enough for us to sit as individuals in the church, right? He says we all have to be of one accord. We all have to experience this unity and be linked together as one. Oh, thank you. And, and when we're linked, now you think about this. You think about how we operate in the church, because a couple of weeks ago I said, um, either we're, consume, or we're consumers or we're contributors. And you might think, well, oh, that's a pretty good chain, you know, and for chains we can use these as a tool for different things. But you think, well, if I'm not contributing, then you're just losing the link off the end. Well, what if you're one of the links in the middle and now we don't have a complete chain? Now we have a couple of little chains and we can't accomplish everything that God wants us to accomplish. We're not experiencing that unity We're not experiencing that coming together. We're not experiencing that staying together. We're not experiencing the things that God wants us to accomplish. Those are the things that we should be thinking about. Those are the things we're supposed to be doing, functioning as a group. Taking all those individuals and putting them together, like Lombardi said, you know, that's the combined effort. Our individual link can't accomplish a whole lot. But when we put them all together, it can be a useful idea. You know, it can even accessorize. What do you think? Well, we can make a little bracelet out of it? A choker or something? Right? When we come together, each of us is an important part of that chain. As we contribute our time, that's the hard part sometimes, isn't it? Mm. Our gifts, we're contributing them to further his kingdom. To get his word out wherever we can. Simply put, this is what I want you to take home. Everyone is a necessary and integral part of God's work here at Grace. If we want to see things go the way God goes, if we want to see things through God's eyes, then we need everybody pulling in the same direction. So since it's opening day for the Packers today, and and this is Lombardi Sunday, I want to quote the old man one more time. Remember, the topic for today is dream work, or teamwork is dream work. Individual commitment to a group effort. That's what makes a teamwork. That's what makes teamwork. Individual commitment to a group effort. That's what makes teamwork. That's the dream work. 
That's what makes a company, a society, a civilization. And yes, that's what makes a church work. Individual commitment to a group effort. Without that individual commitment to a group effort, we'll still survive. But we're not going to thrive. We're not going to look the way God intended us to look. We won't function the way God intended us to function. We won't thrive the way God intended us to thrive. But with that individual commitment to excellence, to the group effort, we can and we will bring God's word and God's glory to a world that desperately needs to hear it. Are you hearing me? With that group Commitment to excellence, we can bring God's word and God's glory to a world that desperately needs to hear it. Sometimes it starts with a backpack, a little simple little tag on a backpack. Sometimes it starts with you, but it really starts with that individual commitment to excellence, to God's word and to God's kingdom. Amen? Can we see the take the chain apart now? Let's stand, please.